Just over the last few weeks, we've been doing a series on spiritual warfare, and uh, we've covered all the defensive parts of our armor, and uh, we've come now to uh, what I would call an offensive weapon, and this is going to be the last message on this series. So if you haven't uh, managed to uh, be here for all of them, I'd really encourage you to just get on the podcast, uh, look up or any podcasting app, look up New Gen City Church and you'll see all the messages uh, in the series on there and going back years and years as well. So if you have your Bibles, just turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This is the main text that we've been looking at uh, for this series. Where did Ephesians go? There we go. <laughs> um, so before we read uh, from verse uh, 12 or verse 10, uh, we've, we've been talking just very briefly, we've been talking about this uh, spiritual conflict that takes, that's taking place right now between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And uh, it's spiritual, and it's unseen, but it's very real. Um, you may not even have ever thought about this before, and that's part of what God does through the Bible, is that He reveals things to us that we'd never know about. If it wasn't uh, for the truth that's revealed in the Bible, we wouldn't know. There is actually this conflict going on. Uh, we've also talked a little bit about Satan, who's, who's a fallen angel, uh, he's the leader of this kingdom of darkness. And it's important to note that Satan is not God's opposite equal. He is created. He, he is an angel. He has limited power. He has limited knowledge. And he can only be in one place at one time. God, on the other hand, is uncreated. He is infinite. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere. And uh, he has all power. There is no contest between the two. It's very important to know when we're talking about the topic of spiritual warfare. Nevertheless, we find ourselves facing spiritual enemies. And this is what uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and from verse, let's just read from verse 10. It says, The final word, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Not, these are not human evil rulers. These are unseen rulers. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That they are our real enemy, and uh, they are part of a kingdom that is opposing us because we are in the kingdom of God. And we've spoken about the incredible armor that God has given us, uh, which is actually His armor. And He's given us His armor and says, Put it on. And we have the belt of truth, the, bless, the breastplate of righteousness the boots of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword 
of the spirit. All essential, all parts of our defensive armor that God has given us. And last week we talked about the sword being both a defensive weapon and a weapon of attack, but limited in its range. And this morning I want to end off by talking about another weapon that we've been given, which is the weapon of all prayer. It is probably the most powerful thing that God has given the church. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6 verse 18, if we just drop down a few verses, after saying put on all these different pieces, Paul says this, he says, Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. In the ESV and in some of the other versions, I'll just read it to you again. From, I'll read it from the ESV. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, this is not the only uh, kind of offensive weapon that we've been given. There are others. But I'm ending this series because we can't just keep going on and on and on about spiritual warfare. We've got to talk about some other things. But there are other weapons like the Word of God, the name of Jesus, the blood of Christ. Yeah, those are weapons that we can use to overcome. And in fact, I remember preaching a message probably, I think it was like October 2019, so four years ago, on how to overcome evil. It was a series. And one of the messages was how do we apply the blood of Jesus in our life? Because Revelation says they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. But how does that actually work? There's no good just saying it. We've got to know how, that, uh, how to apply the blood of Jesus in our lives. And what word of our testimony is it that causes us to overcome? So if you... I'm not going to re-preach that. You can jump online and have a look, scroll all the way back to 2019, and you'll find that message somewhere there, okay? <laughs> but we're talking about a different weapon this morning, which is the, John Wesley called it, the weapon of all prayer, okay? If there's one thing the devil wants us to stop doing is praying. And if he can do that, there will be no advancement of God's kingdom. I can guarantee you that. Anyone that thinks that God's kingdom will advance regardless of the prayers of his people does not know their Bible. God is listening. He's waiting to hear the prayers of his people so that he can respond. And he won't do it without prayer. Every single major move of God has always been preceded by prayer. If you read your Bible, every single time God broke in in a major way, you look before, somebody or some people were praying. Even Noah, before God flooded the earth, Noah was a man who sought God. He prayed. And it says before Noah... It, and when it starts listing the generations that come before, that after Adam, 
it said, in this guy's time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Before God sent Moses, the Hebrew slaves were praying. It was a major deliverance from slavery in Egypt. People were praying. Before Jesus appointed his apostles, he was in prayer. Before he went to the cross, he was in prayer. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he was in prayer. He asked his disciples to come and pray with him. And what did they do? They fell asleep. I mean, to me, that's one of the most embarrassing passages in Scripture. It really is. We just overlook it. Jesus specifically said, come and pray with me. And they fell asleep over and over and over again. And I think God is saying the same thing to the church. Pray. Call out to me. And what does the church do? We fall asleep. <laughs> Let's be a people of prayer. Before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, they were praying. For 10 days, they gathered and prayed. And then the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they received power to be witnesses for Jesus. Paul and Barnabas were sent to plant churches from a prayer meeting. They were all fasting and praying. And the Holy Spirit said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work which I've called them to do. And if you look at church history after the book of Acts, every single revival that's happened around the world has always been preceded by prayer. Always. Prayer is absolutely essential, and it is the most powerful thing we can do as Christians. Amen. And that's why Paul says to all Christians, pray at all times. Be persistent. Stay alert in this and pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's what the Bible means by all prayer. Let me just read that verse in Ephesians 6.18 again from the ESV. And just notice the word all. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. It's all, 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 all in that verse. Pray at all times, the first thing. It essentially means pray continually. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, that is impossible. I've got to eat. I've got to drive to work. I've got to do other things. It means to be devoted to prayer. Romans 12, 12 says be consistent in prayer. Colossians 4 verse 2 says continue steadfastly in prayer. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, look at this, says pray without ceasing. Now either the Bible's true or it isn't. Let me say this, is that God would never command us to do something that we couldn't do. See, these passages are talking about a Christian whose, whose relationship with God is unbroken. No matter what you're doing, you always have a default setting that if there's ever a need for something, your default is to pray about it. I'm a father, and 
I don't have to think and try and convince myself and remind myself to be a father. Although I work and although I, I you know, I come to the come to this church on a Sunday, meet with people, I have to go and do other things during the week. I never have to, if, if sometimes it's just a thought drops in my head about my kids or something, I'm, I'm in a father mode, if you can understand that. I don't have to try and think, oh, hang on a minute, I forgot that I was a father. Yes, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to think about my kids and care for them and help them or whatever, provide for them. And this is what the Bible is talking about, about pray without ceasing. It's a default in our life. It's a posture. It's an angling towards God always. Whenever there's a need, if you see something and go, my goodness, something's wrong there. God needs to break in or that needs to change is our default to pray about it or is our default, what can I do in my strength? How can I fix this? What does the government need to do? Complain about it to a friend or whatever. That's not living in all prayer. Being devoted to prayer means that's our default setting. As soon as something, as soon as we realize God needs to break in, our default is, Lord, come and touch this person. Come and break in. Come and do this. It's a, it's a lifestyle of connection with God, of desiring God. That's what this is talking about. And we can do this. We can carry prayer in our heart. An overwhelming desire for God in our hearts. You know, if you have some time in your lunch break, you speak to the Lord. You pray about things. You talk to God. You're on a walk. You're talking to God driving to work, you're thinking about God and the kingdom. It's possible to do that. You're still doing your work. You're still doing your groceries. Still washing your car. Still picking up the kids. But you're carrying this devotion to prayer in your heart at the same time. One of the Puritan Christians said, Prayer should be as natural to the Christian as breathing. Pray at all times. So when it's your default reaction to any circumstances, firstly to pray. It's actually something that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. It's something that we, cannot, we can't actually do in our own strength. It's only in the Holy Spirit that we can actually live like this. Because his desire is for us to communicate with God all the time. His desire is to see God's will done. His desire is to see the Father and Jesus revealed. His desire is for us to, to be the branch that feeds from the vine. That's the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And it, can, it is only possible to pray without ceasing in the Holy Spirit. Let him work in your life and trust that he's doing that. Second thing is pray all kinds of prayers. Well, what, is, what does this mean? The Bible talks about different types of prayers. And if we're going to pray effectively, we're to use all types of prayers. Not get into a rut, kneel down in our bed, our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the only prayer you ever pray. The Bible talks about all different kinds of prayers. There's confession, where we come before the Lord and we confess our sins. There's thanksgiving, where we thank God for what he's done. We thank God for what he's going to do. I am always careful personally to come to God with thanksgiving before I pull my grocery list out of my requests because I never want to be ungrateful for what God's doing in my life. He is a king. I don't walk, walk into the throne room and say, that's what I need, king. I'm saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you've done in my life. And could you do these things as well? <laughs> Amen. Amen. And then there's intercession, where we intercede for someone else. We're praying on behalf of someone else. You know, in our prayer meeting, we often pray for other nations. Sometimes nations where we don't know a single person in that nation. We don't know who's there, but we lift them up. We intercede for them. It means to stand in the gap. You can pray for other people, family members, people in Wyndham, people in Melbourne, people in other nations. You, you don't need to know them, but you can pray for them. Pray that God intervenes in their life. And one day, I believe this, that we're going to walk through heaven. People are going to come up to us and say, thank you. Thank you for praying for my country. I got saved because you prayed. I believe that. I honestly believe that. I believe our prayers make that kind of a difference. I really do. An example of intercession in the Bible is where, is where God spoke with Abraham and told him what he was going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham interceded and he said, Lord, if there's just a few righteous people, will you spare that place? And he said, yes, I will. And he kept lowering the number until he got down to 10. He said, if there's 10 righteous people in Sodom, will you spare them that judgment? And God said, yes, I will. Unfortunately, there were less than 10. And so today, you can see the ruins of what happened when God rained down fire and brimstone upon that whole area around the Dead Sea. It was once the most fertile place on earth, an absolute paradise, and today there's not even a blade of grass. Down to the bedrock, God wiped out everything there. But Abraham interceded. And his family, his cousins, or his nephew was saved in their family. Then there's petition. Petition is bringing your requests to God. Asking God to provide for your needs is an example of petition. There's supplication. Okay? <laughs> A different word. We don't use it in today's language. But it's asking God with more intensity than just petition. More earnestly, almost begging, you're so desperate. You're desperate for God to answer. That's supplication. That's a type of prayer. Have you, have you prayed like that? Where you come before God and you are desperate for God to break in? Or is it just, 
well, I prayed today, I gave him my list, I've done my duty. That's not all prayer. That's not this weapon that we are talking about here. That's some prayer. It is effective, but the weapon of all prayer is incredibly effective. And then there's travailing, which is another level. Travailing is like giving birth. It's like labor pains. You are bent over. You are so burdened. You are travailing and weeping and wailing before the Lord. That's a type of prayer. You see it in the Bible where people travailed in prayer. The, and, and travailing is something where the Lord puts such a burden on you to pray for someone or some country or whatever. You are so burdened, you are doubled over in agony, praying, 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 desperate for God to break in. It's like labor, labor pains. That's travailing. And we should include all these kinds of prayers in our life. Not just one or two types, but the weapon of all prayer. There's nothing boring about prayer. I think, I think sometimes we get into such a rut when it comes to praying. We end up praying the same prayer to God every day. It's the same thing. And we get bored. When you look at all this kind of prayer, it's not boring. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Let Him put on your heart the things that He wants you to pray for. And you'll find that prayer is incredibly exciting, incredibly engaging. Prayer involves our intellect and our emotions. Not just intellectual praying, but emotional as well. And not just emotional, but intellectual as well. We've got to pray according to God's Word, according to His will. Not just whatever we think, not just babbling off in tongues without knowing what we're doing and that's the only way we ever pray. Pray in tongues, but also pray in a language you understand. Use your mind in it. <laughs> I remember hearing a message on the prayer of desperation and how God responds to that. When people are absolutely desperate, God hears from heaven, and he breaks in powerfully. John Knox was one of the most powerful preachers in his day, a Scottish preacher, and he prayed prayers of desperation, and he saw revival come to Scotland. One of his prayers that he prayed was, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. That's a prayer of desperation. He was so desperate to see God breaking in, he'd rather not live if God wasn't going to answer him. Those kind of prayers are the prayers that the devil doesn't want us praying. He's not worried about you praying for a car park at the plaza. <laughs> you, you, you praying that God will help you pass whatever exam that you've got to write in the next week. The devil's not worried about that. But when you start travailing and interceding, coming before the Lord, being led by the Spirit, and saying, praying specific prayers, targeting specific areas. The warning bells are going off in the kingdom of darkness because revival is on its way. <laughs> praying at all times with all kinds of prayers. And then the third thing is praying 
with all perseverance, persevering in prayer. I think so often we, we start praying for something and then we give up because it's just it's, it's hard to keep persevering, to keep trusting. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and you've stopped praying for something. You began to pray for a request that you had months ago or maybe years ago and you're waiting for God to answer and you've stopped praying. Let me encourage you this morning, keep praying, keep persevering. Jesus told the parable about, about a, a, a widow who came to an unjust judge. She had a request and he kept denying her her request and she kept going back day after day after day after day and eventually, even though he was corrupt, he gave her what she asked for. And Jesus said, how much more will your Father in heaven give to those who ask them if we persevere in prayer and not give up? And I think God is reminding some of us this morning to say, hey, pick that thing up again and begin to pray with faith over that topic again. Persevere in that. Matthew 7, 7 says this. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. But what do we have to do? We have to keep on asking. Don't give up. Keep persevering. Hold on to the word that God has given you and keep praying in faith. Keep saying, God, I'm bringing this before you again. You've said this in your word. You've said this to me. I'm bringing this request again to you, and I'm trusting that you're going to answer it. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Help me to persevere in faith in this and not to go, well, yeah, I tried that, and it didn't really work, and I don't know. If God wants to do it, he can do it. God's saying if you persevere, he will respond. Persevere in prayer, praying with all perseverance. You see, whilst we are persevering in prayer, God is working on our character. <laughs> Often that's what's happening. God is working in our lives, molding us and changing us. And we're going through fire because we need to persevere in something and trust Him. Then the next thing is praying for all the saints. Pray at all times with all kinds of prayers, praying with all perseverance for all the saints. See, the extent of our prayers shouldn't end with ourselves. And so often it does. We come, of, we come to the Lord, read our Bible in the morning, and we pray for our daily needs, and that's it. And all we've ever done is pray for us, our family, and that's it. And our needs, our bread, our, our finances, our health, our everything. But we haven't prayed beyond that for all the saints. Yeah. Once you start getting into that, you will find that five minutes or ten minutes a day is not enough. Yeah. You can't pray for yourself and for others in just ten minutes. <laughs> 
And so you start getting longer and longer and longer and have to get up earlier and earlier and earlier. That's what happens. John Stott, who was a uh, preacher and a, and a Bible teacher, a wonderful man, said, instead of that verse in Ephesians 6, he said, most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers, some degree of perseverance for some of God's people. <laughs> That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying pray at all times with all kinds of prayers, with all perseverance for all the saints. I often think, you know, we at, at the prayer meeting, I mean, we've prayed for countries like Andorra. And I often think, you know, I don't know a single person there. I don't even know if, if there is one church there. I mean, um, there must be. But we, we don't know these guys, but what impact are our prayers making? in that land. We've got no idea, but I'm believing it's going to be major. We're praying for all people. You don't have to know people to pray for them. You can pray for... God has put us here, the Bible says, for such a time as this. You and I are living here in Melbourne because God put us here. We're to be a shining light and part of... We're to be the salt of the earth and part of that is to pray for the city that we live in. Not just, yes, we've got to shine for Jesus. Yes, we've got to share the gospel with people, live a life that is a witness to people, but also to pray for our city. And we need prayer. We need prayer. We desperately do. The world needs prayer at the moment. The world is getting unhinged. There's all sorts of things going on in the world. Prayer is absolutely critical. God wants to break in, but he's waiting for his people to call on his name. He's waiting for his people to cry out to him. Let's pray. The Bible says that it's better to give than to receive. And it's wonderful to receive, and this is why... The Bible does say, pray for your own daily needs. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for your needs. But then it says beyond that, pray for others. Pray for all saints because it's better to give than receive. If you are receiving, you are being blessed by God, but you are living on the lower level of God's blessing. If you're giving, you're living on a higher level of God's blessing. And so when we come here and we pray for people we don't know, Pray for people we will never meet. Pray for people who can never thank us, who can never reward us for what we're doing. We are giving, and it costs something. It costs us time. It costs us energy. It costs us missing whatever it is on TV. <laughs> There's a price to pay if you want to pray. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to start rhyming here. <laughs> but let's pray for others. Let's give of ourselves. Let's sacrifice our time and our energy praying. I don't think any of us will get to heaven and go, man, I just spent so much time praying. I wish 
I hadn't wasted so much of my life praying. I wish I'd pulled back a bit and done other stuff for myself. No one is going to say that. Amen? Amen. We're all going to say the opposite. We're going to say, I wish I prayed more. When we get to heaven and we see how effective prayer is, we're going to go, my goodness, why didn't I get a hold of prayer? Why didn't I pray more? Why didn't I ask God for more? The Bible says so clearly we don't have because we don't ask. (laughs) I mean, that's like you couldn't put it in more simpler terms. God is saying, ask and you will get. You want to see change? You want to see God breaking in in people's lives? You want to see God breaking in in Australia? Pray, ask God, and he'll do it. That is the weapon of all prayer. And it's the most powerful activity that we can do whilst here on earth. I, I, I honestly believe that. I'm 50 years old this year. And, um, you know, as, as far as leading the church, serving God in this current capacity, I'm not sure how long God is going to want me to do this. And hopefully it's a, it's a long time. I don't know. But this is what I'm believing for in my life. The older I get, the more effective my Christian walk is going to be. I'm not at the peak of my effectiveness now. Or when I was 30, I was at my peak. Physically, maybe, yes. But spiritually, and effectiveness in God's kingdom, I'm going to be at my peak the day before I die. Why? Because the older I get, hopefully, the more time I'm going to have on my hands to pray. And prayer is the most effective thing I can do. My goodness. And the wonderful thing about prayer, age is not a barrier. Intellect is not a barrier. Energy is not a barrier. Nationality is not a barrier. Wealth is not a barrier. Any, anyone can pray. Anyone on earth is able to pray and do the most effective thing that a Christian can do. You might only know one scripture in the Bible and you can pray and see God answer you. It's so powerful. It's so amazing. And it's so available to all of us And that's why the devil attacks prayer so viciously. You will find in any church the most poorly attended meeting, hands down, is the prayer meeting. It says like that. I'm I'm not having a go here. I'm just saying facts. The hardest thing for you to do is going to be to go from here and to say, okay, Monday morning, I'm going to pray. And then what happens Monday morning? It's the toughest thing to do because it's opposed. It's spiritually opposed. And you're going to find that it's something that you've got to discipline yourself in. You've got to grow in. It's like a muscle that you've got to start exercising because you should expect opposition. You shouldn't expect to say, oh, I'm just going to, Monday morning, I'm going to pray for one hour, praise God. You won't even last one minute. (laughs) It's something that you've got to discipline yourself to doing and grow in as a Christian. 
because it is opposed. I think, I, I personally think this, is that the devil really doesn't mind. I mean, yes, we're praising God, we, we're teaching his word here. He's probably comfortable being in a meeting like this, comfortable being in a home group. But prayer meeting, he's not comfortable being in that kind of a meeting because that is a weapon against him that he is not happy about. The interesting thing is that we have been given this armor from God. We have been given these weapons of divine power and incredible impact. And our enemy has been disarmed and he's been defeated. I mean, it's no contest, really. We have been given all the weapons. The devil's had all his weapons taken away. And he has been defeated by Jesus already. We don't need to defeat him. We need to take the defeat that Jesus has already done and administer that here on earth. We have to see it fleshed out, see it walked out. The defeat's already happened. And yet, how is it that the devil is still attacking the church? And how is it that the church is in the place that it's in? Why aren't we seeing worldwide revival, the dead being raised, every sick person in every city healed, people saved, preaching with power? Why is it like that? How is it that the devil is able to attack us? Think about it. He's got no weapons. He uses bluff. He lies. If he can get you to believe that the word of God is not truth, he's winning. If he can get you to believe that your prayers aren't actually that powerful, he's winning. And this is what he does. He's done it from day one in the Bible with Adam and Eve. God, did God really say you're going to die if you eat from that tree? That's what he comes and does. He undermines the word of God. And he'll be doing it right now. He'll be saying, do you really think prayer is that powerful? Remember that time you prayed for whatever and nothing happened? Remember that time where you tried to pray and you couldn't do it? You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. You tried that and it didn't work. This is what the devil's speaking to us right now. Trying to put doubt, trying to lie, trying to undermine the word of God. And we've got to say, God's word says this, pray without ceasing in the spirit. Therefore, it must be possible, Lord, help me to do that. Help me to become a person of prayer. Help us as a church to become a, a, a people of prayer for all nations. That's what Jesus said about his church. He said his church will be a house of prayer, not a house of preaching, not a house of worship, not a house of planting, not a house of beautiful community, great food, great coffee. All, the, all these things are wonderful. But actually, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. They will be a people that know how to come before the Lord to ask for things and to see those things happen. I mean, the Bible talks, uh, this could be a whole series on its own how to pray effectively and get what you are asking for. So often it's like wishful thinking. 
We're just firing things up there, hoping that something's going to stick and hoping that we're going to get some kind of answer. Yet when you see in the Bible, people prayed and God did exactly what they prayed for. Elijah prayed and it never rained for three years. <laughs> he prayed for that and it didn't happen. And it, well, sorry, it happened. And then after three years, he prayed again and the rain came. Prayer, and it, you know what it says about Elijah? He was a man just like you and me. He was a man. In fact, when you look at the life of Jesus, what's the one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to do? How to pray. That's the only thing. They, just think about that for a minute. Think, just think. There's Jesus. He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. He's walking on water. He's feeding thousands with a couple of bread loaves and fish. Feeding thousands. They never once asked him, how can we do that? Teach us how to pray for the sick. Teach us how to preach. Teach us how to raise the dead. No. They asked, teach us how to pray. Now, why did they ask that? Think of it. Why? Why would you ask somebody, teach me how to pray? Why would you ask Jesus that? Because they saw the result of Jesus praying. They saw him go up on the mountain all night long, meet him in the morning. Where have you been, Jesus? I've been praying. Oh, okay. And then what do they see the next day? Miracles. Whole cities turned over. Walking on water, all this. And they're like, that guy prays, and this happens. And who is he? He's Joseph's son, the carpenter. It was only later in Jesus' ministry they recognized him as the son of God. They're thinking, this human, he prays, and look at what happens. Teach us how to do that. Amen? That's the only explanation you can give. They weren't thinking Jesus is God walking around here doing all these miracles as God. The demons knew he was God from day one. The disciples took years to figure it out. <laughs> but they saw something in Jesus where it was like prayer. That stuff is effective. How? How, how do we do that? How do we pray and see the same kind of things? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. That's Luke 11, verse 1. It's, 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 such a, it's such a powerful thing. We have been given a powerful, powerful weapon. God's saying, pick it up and use it. Put on the armor of God and use what I've given you. And we're going to see amazing things happen in our city, in our nation, in the nations of the world, if we pray. Let's, let's just bow our heads just to end off with. I know, that, I know that I've been pretty passionate about this. This is something that I am very passionate about, is praying. And I, I, don't, I don't want to come across as forcing anybody. And I'm hoping this morning that... God is showing you how important prayer is. Let's respond to the Lord.
bring ourselves before him and say, Lord, bring change in my life. I'm, I'm surrendering to you. I'm making myself available to be used by you. I know that prayer is important. And we can be honest with the Lord and say, we really struggle to pray. I struggle to pray. But we can say, Lord, come and help us. Come and help me. Help me to devote my life to prayer. Let my default reaction to any situation be to, be to pray. Even if it's in, a, in the workplace, we can pray silently and just, just quickly shoot up a prayer to the Lord saying, Lord, help, help in this situation. Give me the words to say. Bring healing. Let this person's life be changed. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Father, teach us to pray. I pray that you would fill us right now with your Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit, you would lead us and guide us to be a people that use the weapon of all prayer. Praying at all times. Teach us how to, to intercede, to give confession, to... To, to give thanksgiving, to be a thankful people, to bring our petitions and supplications and even travail at times where you move upon us so powerfully, we're travailing, we're in labor until you answer, until you break through. Father, I pray that you would do something that only you can do in our lives. This is not something we can we can stir up in our own strength. This is, prayer is not a work of the flesh. It can only be by the power of your spirit that you transform us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would come and touch us now by your Holy Spirit and transform us into being a house of prayer. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Awesome.